0: The Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube, where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Rafi Hussein. And today we are going to do a quick show addressing some questions from one of our subscribers regarding the bunion episode that we did, or we've done a couple of them.
1: Yeah, they were interested in, we talked about the osseous component of bunions, but they were like, hey, what have you talked about, you know, besides, you know, shifting the bone over and putting screws and plates and stuff in there, what else do you guys do uh, as far as treatment for the bunion? And, you know, it's not just literally, it's not woodworking, but it is kind of a balancing act. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of dive into more than your basic bunion procedures. So just a recap, bunion, bunion is not a growth or a tumor. It's an angulation of your first metatarsal bone. Um, it deviates over immediately towards uh, the center of your body, and over time it can become painful and arthritic, and, and that's usually why we go in to fix them. Um, Imaging kind of a little guideline. This is the first metatarsal. It'll stray over, and what we're going in to do is shift that first metatarsal back over towards the second metatarsal so it's back in alignment that that uh, that phalanx is now gliding smoothly over the articular surface rather than half articular, half bone, as you can kind of see here. Yeah. Seven
0: to ten, you know, you're not going to have too much trouble. As soon as you start getting up there into the, you know... The high Double teens, digits. man. Yeah. Ooh, 19, 20, 21 degrees. And then you see the, the hallux abductus angle, which is that uh, that further down angle, 37 degrees. Yeah. You've know, you you've uncovered 50% of the cartilage. Now that cartilage is getting worn away by the joint capsule. Yeah. So yeah, that's a mess. That's a that's a very difficult binding. And I would suspect that that has a highly uh hypermobile aspect to it which would know? yeah that's a lapidus written all over it for me
1: so as far as basic bunions go most of these um procedures that we do are very simple austin aiken type procedures the austin bunionectomy is probably the most common of all bunion procedures we literally go in we do a chevron type cut and we shift it over um fixating with screws k wires um Staples. I know people use a lot of things. I'm more of a screw guy. I think most people do screws. Yeah. Um, the classic um, Austin. This is the K-leash modification. The classic Austin was more of a uh, short um, chevron type cut, and you only did one type of screw, or you could K wires or thermal pins, or mm-hmm. you know, a lot of fun stuff. Um, the Akin, um, the uh, adjunct to most type of bunny procedures, is the phalanx osteotomy across the proximal phalanx. We do a wedge type cut. To shift over that um, phalanx to come back in alignment because sometimes you'll drift over that metatarsal head back to where it's supposed to be, but you'll still have that that angulation, that deviation of that toe, and that that Achen osteotomy will help bring that back over. And sometimes the deformity will be in the phalanx and not in the the metatarsal itself. So here are a couple of depictions of different ways that they uh, fix the um, the bunions and the uh, achene deformities. Uh, and we talked yeah, about yeah, the, the
0: achene is great, and I think. I do them, I would say 98% of the time. I mean, it's just a small percentage where you're looking at that toe and the OR and you're like, just doesn't need it. It's perfect. And you know, you get- the enemy of good is better yeah. in the OR, but but man, when you don't do them and the patient needs it, a couple weeks later,
1: and you kind of see that little drift. Uh,
0: it's you're just like oh, so yeah. My first couple of years in practice, I didn't do as many of them as I do now, and and you know I ended up having to go back in and fix those.
1: Yeah, and so, a lot of people depend on the soft tissue component, which we're going to get into, right? And they try to depend on that soft tissue component, but that soft tissue, you got to remember, it's, it's it, tissue.
0: If you don't fix the bony aspect well the first time. All the soft tissue correction in the world, it's probably not going to make up for that. Yeah. So soft tissue is an adjunct.
1: So incision placement, one of the big things that we we've noticed over time is that different specialties that do foot and ankle surgery do different incision placements. So let's talk about why we do different incision placements. Classically, um, as far as foot and ankle surgeons that are you know uh, trained specifically podiatrically, we'll do our incisions dorsal medially. Um, other specialties that do foot and ankle surgery that haven't specialized in foot and ankle surgery, I, I've noticed that I'm, I've worked with orthopods, you know, they've done foot and ankle fellowships and they'll do their incision dorsal medially. But other specialties that'll do foot and ankle surgery, you know, like gen GenSurge, uh, ortho, that are not foot and ankle uh, specific, they, they kind of rely on that medial incision. And we've fallen out of favor using that type of incision for the simple reason that your medial dorsal cutaneous nerve crosses that area. Not to say that it can't cross up more superficially, but more often than not, you're at risk of catching that medial dorsal cutaneous nerve as it kind of pinches across that area, across that medial bunion bump. And that's kind of one of the reasons that you have so much pain with a bunion in shoe gear. Some patients are really pain down to their toes and the burning, tingling. It just aches after a busy day of wearing shoes. But when I take my shoes off, it's not that bad. Also, you'll have scar pain uh, along that medial bump there. Also. I
0: would say I'd probably kind of fall somewhere in between.
1: Yeah, this is, this, this is an over-exaggeration. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine is probably more like this Where it's just on that medial that right. medial um, Curvature um, But that's kind of the logic And there's different variations And there's different values to this too So sometimes if you have to do a sesamoid excision A more medial basic incision um, Letting patients know Look there's a risk you know, with scar pain and, and nerve pain along the side But usually we're able to take care And avoid that kind of stuff Most surgeons will not have any complications um, But you know, why increase your risk um, When you can avoid it Um, but when you're trying to get the sesamoids out or you're trying to do different type of procedures the medial incision does uh, help out and sometimes they'll do the medial incision and they'll add a second incision up uh, on top in that first interspace, where they can do that lateral release and we'll talk about what that lateral release is uh, in a second Um, so once we do the incision this is uh, an incision they'll do their capsulotomies so there's a dozen different ways to do capsulotomies so let's kind of dive into uh, some of the most popular uh, incisions um, the medial vertical not one of my favorite incisions It, you're you're at risk of catching that nerve you're not getting great exposure i kind of fall into that t type of incision i do either the straight um incision where you do your normal um, capsulotomy trying to expose it and then i'll do like the t to kind of help anchor uh pull that hallux back over so this is we're looking at the foot Immediately, we're looking at it from the side view. So when we're doing these capsulotomies, we're doing right along the side here. And that T will form crossing that metatarsal to that phalanx. And that T will fall right into that joint space. Um, There's people that do ellipticals and Washington Monuments and and Inverted L. I've seen a lot of docs use that type of incision. Um, And it's per person, honestly. It's whatever's good in your hands. Um, the Washington Monument is just kind of popular because you can use that extra strip to help um, hold that correction. And that's kind of when you kind of fall into that 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 trap where you're like, do I want to use the soft tissue correction or do I want to rely more on the bony uh, correction, that Aiken, uh to help um, hold that uh, correction in place? What do you think?
0: I honestly don't rely on the capsulotomy to accomplish a whole lot. Um, I think I'm aggressive with my bony correction and i don't need it i think that was i think all of these were designed during an era when very few of these were done in the hospital or surgery centers they were done in the office yeah and you you maybe couldn't be quite as aggressive because they weren't using fixation so and the appropriate
1: fixation techniques weren't out there i know i know it's crazy tiny
0: screws all of these capsulotomies were designed and discussed and written about Decades ago. I mean, we're talking 60, oh, yeah. 70, 80, hundred years ago. So, um, I, you know, I, I just don't rely on them. So I, I just do a straight line. Yeah. I, I but I like the T. If I was gonna, if I was gonna do one that I really thought you needed to do the capsular correction, I would do the T all,
1: all day long. So sometimes you'll also have a bursa along that medial aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's an area of uh, pain and tenderness. It rubs against the shoe, so an adventitious bursa will form sometimes. And it can be extremely tender. Sometimes uh, the patient will be like, "I'm, I'm positive it's not, it's not a bunion. I could feel it move. It's soft. I think it's a ganglion or whatever it might be. And it, it's most likely the adventitious bursa mm-hmm. forming because that bunion is pushing against that shoe gear or, or whatever um, it's pressing against. Um, sometimes if you're, you know, you know, you're meticulous enough, you can uh, take those out. Um, usually once you do the bunion surgery, and obviously when you're in there, you can excise all that stuff out. Um, that bursa pretty much dissipates or goes away. And, uh, yeah, if it's no not, if it's
0: not under the continued pressure and friction, then it, yeah. it typically doesn't, doesn't stick around.
1: Yeah, but these can be very tender.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would, if I saw one that size, I would take it out.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, the lateral release. So this is something that we classically do along with our bunion procedures. Um, we'll go in. Uh, so let's talk about what's happening with a bunion. Your um, muscular skeletal system is pulling that toe back towards you. The abductor hallucis is pulling it medially, right? Uh, here, let's draw, show it here. The abductor hallucis is pulling it medially, and your adductor hallucis is pulling it laterally. Now, if you can imagine the one that's pulling back, the abductor is pulling it more straight back and slightly medially. The adductor, the adductor uh, hallucis, is pulling it more on a 45 degree angle. And that's why it becomes adventitious uh, for that toe to uh, drift over. Um, it can ride. overpower. and Yeah. yeah. And that's thing, so. why you know, your bunions form one direction more than another. Um, so when we go in and we're talking about doing our lateral release, there's different variations of it. Um, but most people will go in classically, release the sesamoidal ligaments, release the capsule, and release the adductor um, uh, completely. Uh, the adductor inserts onto the sesamoids. So you can kind of see them here. And that base of that proximal phalanx so most people release it right back here at the sesamoid level and free up any strands or branches that are going to the proximal phalanx you'll feel a great bit of mobility after you release that um that toe so i would say
0: in the severe bunion like in your picture and when you have a sesmoidal view preoperatively showing that the sesamoids are dislocated yeah that's when i would do stuff like that mm-hmm. but the standard bunion that's a mild to moderate that you're operating on, if you look at the sesmoidal view and the sesamoids are still sitting in the cristae, yeah. or sitting on either side of the cristae, yeah, and see, it's, a picture and it's just rotated exactly. So the, I, don't, I don't know that you need an adductor release for that, if we're going to get into the weeds here. I think you need to do the right bone procedure mm-hmm. to move the head over. To shift that metatarsal. And bone. the reason I say that is because we actually did this study when I was a resident with uh, Jeff Boberg, where we looked at AP views and axial sesmoid views before and after bunion surgeries, and it didn't
1: matter if we did the adductor release.
0: What mattered was you needed to move the head back over the sesamoids.
1: Yeah. And that's what we'll keep on we're driving in. Right. The bony component is the most it's important. It's really important. Part. All these soft tissue components are, are great adjuncts, um, but they're not gonna fix the bunion.
0: So, if you're, det- but the moral of the story was if you're determining whether or not you need an adductor release and you're using an AP view, you're gonna get fooled every time. So that's why that actual sesmoid view, which gives you this view that we're seeing yeah. uh, on an x-ray, can tell you, okay, are those sesmoids dislocated? And if they are, then I think it's important to do that, to, to kind of meet it halfway. You're moving the bone yeah. over and you're letting the, the you know, hopefully rock back under. So just something to consider uh, for any of the podiatric residents out there. I think that you know you can, you can prove it to yourself. Just take axial sesamoids on all your bunion patients instead of an oblique. I don't even know why you take an oblique on, on those preoperatively because I don't think the oblique view does anything to help you. Yeah. But I think an AP, a lateral, and an axial sesamoid view for pre bunion patients is really, really helpful.
1: Yeah. Um, this is kind of going into the specifics of the lateral release, the capsule uh, ligaments, um, and then the adductor uh, coming across here. Um, that's
0: the other thing is I do these intracapsularly with the McGlamry, so, so if I'm going to do that, I'll just and I can take that whole thing right off the base, and and it accomplishes the same thing without making a secondary incision.
1: Um, what about the adductor? How do you release the adductor? Well,
0: you're you're releasing that whole part of the capsule, so it's gone. Now, if if I want to release the sesamoids and I'm really concerned about that, then I do have to go in and do oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I can also do that intra. I can do it intra-articularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit Yeah, And That's trickier. the difference of
1: the, the incision placements. Yeah. You know? yeah, So, here's something I do. Uh, just to, because I was trained to do it with a um, Dr. Malay, shout out Dr. Malay. We do the adductor tendon transfer. So rather than um, you know releasing it, we do release it. But rather than leaving it kind of floating willy nilly, we will take that um, adductor and we'll transfer it over to the head of the metatarsal. So I typically do this at the end of the bunion procedure. Bunion is corrected, the metatarsal is sitting over the sesamoids now. The adductor tendon transfer is not really specifically to help bring the sesamoids over, but more specifically to help make sure that the bunion doesn't reform again. Yeah, so you, you take you, that
0: adductor... You're, you're turning a deforming force into a correcting force. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I tell patients this, look, it takes an extra, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Um, understand that their chances of this bunion returning is much, much lower. So the bunion, you have frontal plane rotation. So what we do is we take advantage of the um, the shape of the bunion, the metatarsal, and we take that adductor. We bring it under the extensor tendon, and we tag it to the capsule and or the sesamoidal ligaments. So we're physically uh, gonna help bring the sesamoids back under, and you're gonna hold that correction a lot longer and prevent that rotation uh, from uh, causing any further problems. And you know it, it works uh, in in my hands and some people like it, some people don't it's just um everyone has their bag of tricks as long as it works stick to what works you know some docs do the minimally invasive surgery i absolutely uh, i'm not a big fan yeah not my fan not my not my <laughs> bag of tricks but if it works in their hands by all means you know there's more than one way to skin a cat Type of logic oh suit your buttons. all right so there was a time These were extremely popular. Super popular because uh, it was quick. It was easy. You pretty much, you, you, (laughs) so what it is, the suture button, um, there was a couple companies like tightrope and I don't know whatever other companies, I'm not going to name companies. Um, but the suture button, um, technique was popular because, um, you'd literally put one or two holes in the metarsal and you crank it over real small incision. You literally tease, tease, tease until you find that, that sweet spot and do the adjustment. And yes, on x-ray, it looked good. <coughs> yes, it reduced that bunion. But all of a sudden, we started getting all of these um, stress fractures. Second
0: and metatarsal fractures. And yes.
1: and um, Yeah, look at all that fun. Uh, it kind of fell out of favor. Now, if you want to do that with a you know, a lapidus or a closing base wedge or, or whatever other type of procedure, um, there's tons of the papers that show that to be functional. But for, for people who solely rely on this, there's so much data out there that's shown that these kind of fail, but I'm not trying to, you know, talk down on other people. You know, do your research. Um, there there was a, a couple of papers that said, instead of using the single suture button, switch to three suture buttons and stuff like that, which I was like, all right, I mean, you I guess d- to understand the logic. You can
0: at any one yeah. spot. Yeah, but look at or that, the it, and use the two. Yeah,
1: instead spot. of putting in the second metatarsal, through the second metatarsal to the third metatarsal, I don't know, those, those metatarsals aren't aren't meant to take that load at that shaft level. Yeah. They're meant to under to take that 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 pressure load from the, the plantar surface that they're they are uh, thin bones, you know, uh, not my not my um and the go
0: to fracture. I mean, you even worry about that second metatarsal phalangeal joint subluxed. Like it was subluxed immediately after surgery and it's really subluxed after the metatarsal <laughs> fractures. Yeah. Um so that's a
1: missed opportunity there possibly. Oh, so the final thing, extensor lengthening. So sometimes we'll do the bunion correction, and since the bunion has been deformed for so long, that first matarsal is deviated, that toe has been angulated in, that phalanx uh, structure has been angulated in, the extensor tendons are now very tight because now they're used to being in that short position. So when you finally bring it back over and get this back under alignment, the extensor tendon or the flexor tendon, most commonly the extensor tendon, um, has... um, tightness and is cranking back on that toe. The toe is sitting up or angled or um, it's not sitting appropriately. Uh, so we'll talk about doing uh, some type of extensor lengthening. Now there's multiple ways of lengthening these tendons. Most commonly people will do like a Z lengthening. They'll go in, they'll split the tendons. The extensor hallucis is usually the one, the extension hallucis longest is usually the one that's the most tight out of both of them. Um, so most people will lengthen the extension hallucis if they feel a need. Some people um, we'll do both, and per person and per case. Honestly, there's different ways lengthen lengthening. Some people do the Z lengthening. Some people <coughs> do the, the triple hemi section type of lengthenings. Uh, some people will put a graft or a synthetic graft in there. Um, some people will tag both the tendons together and you know lengthen one and lengthen the other so they can kind of meet weight halfway in the middle. Um, I don't know. There's a there's a different. I
0: thing. think you got to be careful here if you're using an ankle tourniquet. You really don't want to be extensor tendon that's, lengthening. That's a good point. Because so, your ankle tourniquet, which we, you know, almost invariably use, unless I'm doing a lapidus, I'll, I'll use an ankle tourniquet. Yeah. You're going to see tension on that tendon that's not really there physiologically. Yeah. And you take suddenly you think, oh, I got to lengthen this tendon. And you take the tourniquet off, and suddenly the big toe is like sits down. So, I would say I used to do a lot more of these when I was first in practice, and I don't do them. Virtually ever now. Yeah,
1: it's it's very because, rare. And that's why because you're, doing you're
0: shortening the bone when you're doing a typical binding surgery. You're probably shortening the bone four millimeters just based on bone cuts. Yeah. So that's going to lengthen that tendon physiologically by shortening the bone. So I yeah I've, I've gone way to the other ex, extreme I'm on other this. But there are some where they, so it was such like a all, severe. Yeah, bunion. have
1: that contracture to them.
0: Yeah. There were some that it was such a severe binding before. Now it's straight. And yeah. suddenly this tendon is way short. So those are the ones where I'll at least consider it. Like you've got a 21, 22 degree IM angle. The toe is like... Rrr. Yeah. Yeah. Those, I, I can see that. This is, we're getting into the minutiae again. But yeah, I think that's, that's a procedure that I don't think the vast majority of bunion surgeries need. But those really severe ones, you want to consider it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as adjunct procedures with bunions go, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other small stuff that we can dive into. but I think that hopefully
0: answers the question of one of our subscribers who was asking specifically about that. So hopefully you're still a subscriber and you're still watching. And that answered your questions about uh, some of the soft tissue and adjunctive things that we do for bunions that we may have glossed over on the original bunion surgery uh, episode. So awesome. Thanks, Dr. Hussain. That was a good 22 minutes of adjunctive bunion procedure. So I hope you guys uh, got something out of that and we will see you next time on the pod
1: doctors. Thank you for listening to the pod doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like thumbs up, subscribe, be safe. See y'all next time. Bye Bye.